Hey, this is Tim Proddy Jones, and you're listening to the Cloudwatcher Uno podcast. Hi everybody, that was Fire by Tim Protty Jones. Now, let's listen into the podcast. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, sir. You? Yeah, good man. Not bad at all. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. Tim is in the house, people. Come on. All right. <laughs> it's so good to see you. You too, my friend. You too. You've been well? I've been very well, very well. Um, 
I've been enjoying fire. Obviously, it's on fire, you know. Good, lad. That's the spirit. <laughs> yeah, man. No, it's great to have it out. Like, I feel like I've been sat on some of these songs for so long and it's kind of uh, just getting that outlet to just go, oh, I'm just going to put it out now. I don't care about timing. I don't care who else is putting songs out. I don't, you know, it's just yeah, get it out there, you know. It's not a comp. It's not a competition, right? We we're not right. in the Olympics. Yeah, it's like you have to do what you need to do to get your music out. Of course, and, and your and your fans are going to go. Oh, bad I do, Timothy. <laughs> That's the dream. That's the dream. <laughs> well, I mean, you you've had fire until yeah. I do good life. Bite the bullet. Bite yeah. the bullet. I love bite the bullet. Oh, good man. Yeah, that, I mean, that feels like an age ago now. It was sort of slap bang in the middle of, uh, you know, not being allowed to go out or see anyone. So it was kind of um, all done quite sort of under the radar. And then suddenly there's a song that people weren't expecting. And I, I, I quite like doing stuff like that. It's sort of, uh, you know, feels a bit naughty and it's great. <laughs> yeah, it does. But, but if it feels, feels like, yes. Why? Is it him? He's like, wow, wow he's dropping <laughs> So that's what he sounds like. Yeah. Because that's a question for, for, for me because I've gone back and I've been digging in your YouTube history. Don't do that. That's a I dangerous like, place to go. I do my research and I was like, eh? We've got <laughs> like Tim Fireman and then we've got Tim Les Miserables. Yeah. I mean, that was. That was like, uh, basically, there was a period of about four years where I essentially just did, I did musical theatre, like really good West End shows. You yeah. know, it was an amazing experience. And it was like, it's like the ultimate um, test of like stamina. And do you know what I mean? Because you're doing eight yeah. shows a week, singing, you know, full out every single day apart well apart from sunday in my case but apart from sunday and what better way to get accustomed to singing live every day and building up that strength to for instance go on tour and yeah. you know live in a van for you know with other people and it's like that's a massive shock to the system that sort of way of life and i just feel like with the theater background and like you know pe people ask me sometimes they're sort of like oh so you're from a, a theatrical background i'm like no, I'm from a band background, always, always yeah. been music, but there just happened to be a, a, like a few years in the middle of all of that where I ventured into theatre and had a, a really wonderful time doing it, but I just missed this too much, so so came back out of it and, and you know, pursued all this stuff again. And we are so glad that you did. Not that you <laughs> don't like the, the musical theatre, so I was like, that's him singing I know. Suicide. Like, what? <laughs> It feels like a lifetime ago. It really does. Two separate entire people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. It makes for an exciting, uh, you know, history and a, an exciting story. Yeah. And, um, you know, who knows? Like, I'll never say never to going back to it. You know, the, the, the right show at the right time might show up one day and just go, well, there you go. There might be a show all about Nashville, and I'll just go. Well, I want to be in that, you know. And oh yeah, for sure. I can imagine Nashville point two zero. Exactly, Nashville the musical. It needs to happen. Nashville the zoo. Come on, you heard it here first. Nashville <laughs> the musical. I'm not oh, committed to writing so. it yet. 
I love it. Because you were on um, I to be Superstar as well. Yeah, that's right. So that's kind of where those years of musical theatre kind of really developed from, really. It was, it was a massive... For me, the TV show was... It was basically, for anyone that doesn't know, it, it was one of those Andrew Lloyd Webber shows where... You know, he he essentially tries to cast the lead role in in one of his big shows, and this this happened to be for an arena tour of Jesus Christ Superstar uh, with a number of celebrities in it actually, and um, yeah, there was a TV show on ITV to basically find the person to play Jesus, um, and I I was basically bullied into doing it by a lot of people who I know who were like, oh, you can sing those high notes, and I was like, I'm sure that's not reason enough to go on a TV show just because I can <laughs> sing some high notes. But anyway, I thought, well, look, I'm going to regret it if I don't at least try it, you know. And um, as it happens, I kept like progressing through these rounds and stuff and um, got to the live shows, uh, had to relocate to London, um, lived with the other top 10 contestants. It was like a, an amazing experience that, you know, sort of thing you, you, you sort of read about. And the fact that I lived through it was was quite weird because it feels like a completely different life now. And um Anyway, off the back of the TV show, I came about seventh, I think. And off the back of the TV show, I got offered uh, a part in the arena tour. Even though I didn't win, they were like, we, we want you to basically come yeah. on tour. And I was like, wow. So that would that was basically the turning point for me of like, well, maybe I can do this for a living and yeah. you know, give up my job and, and this, that and the other. So, so I did, gave up my job and, and I've been doing, you know, full-time uh, musician acting, producing, uh, songwriting, you know, ever since. And that was like, that was 10 years ago, essentially. So it was, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a whirlwind. You need to add movie star to that as well, because well, I've seen your videos, surely there's an Oscar in the bag, bag there somewhere. I mean, let's not get, let's not get carried away. I mean, I, <laughs> I did, you wouldn't even know I was in it, but I, <laughs> I was in a film I was, my beard was heavily featured uh, and that was about it, really. <laughs> you wouldn't know I was in it unless I told you. It was one of those, you know, but uh, great experience. And it was, um, it was, <laughs> it was a film by the, uh, the WWE wrestling sort of franchise, oh, you right. know, and uh, I have to admit to being a bit of a wrestling fan still. Um, and so that was quite a big deal for me. I was sort of like, this is ace. I'm in a film now with WWE superstars. Like what's, uh, What's not to like, you know? Love it, love it. Now, um, beard to beard, what's yes. your daily beard routine? How how do you get yours into shape? So it's changed quite a lot. I don't know if you can tell, but it's it's a lot shorter than it, than it has been for, particularly in lockdown. It it got very very long, and I don't even realise until I look back at photos and go, oh my word. So it was you know it was down to my chest. It was it was pretty ridiculous, and um, now I just thought. I need to keep it a bit short, sharp and not, I mean, it's not short, but yeah. sort of, you know, a bit more tapered and stuff, but daily routine. Again, that's changed. I used to do the whole beard oil stuff and um, it actually just made it look a bit glisteny and it wasn't the look <laughs> I was going for. You know, I grew a beard in the first place to A, look older and B, look a bit more butch and having sparkly beard for me just didn't do it. You know, it and, depends uh, the audience that you're going for because glistening beards go for a certain audience. They wink, do. Wink, wink. wink. It, hey, it, it went down extremely well in theatre. Let me say that. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was quite the talking point. But um, 
now I need to be like, you know, a grizzly truck driver or something. Um, and, you know, I can't can't get away with the beard oil. So, no, just shampoo, conditioner and a blow dry. And that's enough. Lovely, lovely. Now, um, in preparation for, for your role as like one half of a superhuman duo in Fire, <laughs> yeah. did you go out on many, 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 many nights of crime, five eye eating at all? Uh, I mean it's just in my blood to, to fight crime really. So it's just like a natural instinct. You know, if I, if I sense something going down, then I'm, I'm there. Like <laughs> it's just instinct, no training necessary. As you can tell from the music video, um, zero training required. Um, but thankfully I have Poppy who is uh, the spark, who is the superhero. Yeah, and I'm the I'm the useless sidekick, Dave. But you know, we we're, we're good friends, so it, it's fine. She takes me along for the for the help. Excellent, excellent. Now you've done a couple of live shows: Buck Buckland Boots, Ten Thousand Fields mm -hmm. Festival. You've got a uh, country in the afternoon as well coming coming mm -hmm. up. Uh, so what's that like from going like to like zero to like oh my god? actual music actual fans actual live experience like do i know how to do this can i remember <laughs> you know what it, it it feels incredible for a number of reasons actually and those reasons being that i launched this solo career essentially during lockdown um so it actually gave me time to sort of craft the songs get everything produced and written up so once you know restrictions lifted I was kind of ready to go with with new songs and everything, which is basically what I did. Um, so the first one came out in November last year, and that's kind of when I started using that song as like, you know, leverage to to get shows this summer, yeah. uh, essentially. So, yeah, I've got I've been very lucky actually. People have been very trusting. They've sort of taken into consideration what I've done before um, and the music that I've produced for other people and put out. They sort of. I hope that they can recognize a certain quality. So when I, if I say, please put me on your bill in the summer, I promise you, you know, I'll have songs out. It will be of a certain standard. The live show will be strong, all of that sort of stuff. And, and people have been very trusting. So yeah, I've got some, I've got some really great shows coming up. Um, the ones so far have been absolutely incredible. Buckle and Boots and Tennessee Fields were both amazing weekends. Um, and now I've got stuff pretty much most weeks you know lake fest this weekend with the likes of tom jones and super furry animals and ash um all the way through to you know the ones you said country in the afternoon in london in putney um americana calling in birmingham i've got a couple of support slots with like katie hurt and i'm uh and a, the british country music festival in blackpool which i'm really excited about because that was a brilliant event two years ago when the, when they had their first one but yeah. it feels amazing and you know whilst when you launch something like that during a lockdown you you have nothing to gauge whether people are enjoying what you're doing or not really you know you sort of see streaming numbers and you see this that and the other but it doesn't tell the whole story um because people could be listening it to it to see whether they like it and they might not you don't know so actually performing songs and tennessee fields was the first gig i did um and that was a solo show so no band nowhere to hide and it was just will people react well to them? And thankfully they really did. You know, I, I absolutely loved that show. Um, you know, the, the ovation was amazing. Um, I enjoyed telling stories behind the songs, basically just giving them some time to actually, you know, give some background and some 
information about what I was playing to the people, you know, listening. Um, and I'm just going to try and do that with every show that I do. Um, Buckle and Boots was my, our first full band show. You know, again, I put this band together during a lockdown when we weren't even able to rehearse until about May. Yeah. Um, so it's been, you know, it's been quite a, a mission to get everything ready. But with the shows we've got coming up, I think come September and uh, and beyond, I think, you know, there's going to be quite a, I hope, an explosive live show that we can take around a lot more places. That sounds fantastic. Now, what's it like um, coming up with the songs, like Jen generating the ideas and everything, and then comparing that with, say, the, the Good Life, which you wrote with JJ, Jake Morrell? Well, what's, what's the difference there? Yeah, well, look, it's... Like, I love collaborating with people. I mean, I think that's that's evident from years of being in bands and, you know, producing other people. Um, and I think co-writing is a really valuable asset for so many reasons. You know, it, it's just you can be subjective about a song in a negative or a really positive way when someone else has had input. <clears throat> so, you know, I could listen to a song that I've written with one other person, listen to it back and go, oh, that song is amazing without any sense of arrogance it's just yeah. because someone else is involved you're sort of praising their work almost you know you're almost putting yourself out of it and I think that's a really valuable thing um but I, you know the stuff that I'm putting out now like fire was essentially a solo effort it's just something that I'd been playing around with the, the piano riff that sort of starts the song I'd been playing it around at home for a long time um and and it really wasn't until you know nearing release when I was like this is now in a place that I'm really happy with yeah um and that's that's when I put it out and it is harder when you haven't got anyone to bounce ideas off so actually with fire what I did was because because I'd written it alone essentially I worked with a, a co-producer um whereas I often produce most of my stuff myself um I worked with a co-producer so at least it was another pair of ears on the music and and Katie Ray, who who's this other producer who's incredible, um, was just a really valuable asset to the song, um, adding in particular elements that she heard that maybe I had missed. Um, and I, I think that's just really important. Collaboration and, and teamwork is, is a really lovely thing. And I think particularly in the country scene, it's, you know, it's a very valuable thing because everyone's got everyone's backs. And I think it's really nice. It's just a really lovely atmosphere. How do you think the country scene differs from obviously the, the States and the UK here? I mean, they're almost not comparable. And, and I don't mean that from a, a talent point of view. I just think that the actual, the size of it, you know, like country in the States is essentially pop music. You know, it's their pop music because it, it feels like it's their culture. Um, so you almost feel like a bit of a fraud doing it in the UK. And we shouldn't. We absolutely shouldn't, because we've all got stories to tell and we've all, all got music and, and genres that we love and adore and, and essentially wouldn't do anything else. You know, um, I think. I think there's a variety in the UK, which is really, really nice to hear. You've got very traditional country music that almost leans into like the Celtic side and the folk yeah. side. Um, which is wonderful, really great storytelling stuff. I think now you're starting to see a lot more artists who are much more in the sort of pop commercial country that basically, dead, you know, is is everywhere within the charts, particularly in, in the States and on Spotify. Um, and I think that's great. And I think that comes down to a massive improvement in production. 
quite yeah. honestly. Um, production is a massive part of country music. You know, you're either wanting to catch, uh, sorry, capture very traditional sounding instruments like fiddles and pedal steel. And not everyone's versed in that because they're not overly common. Um, so I think as people learn more and more about those techniques, people are going to use them more and you're going to hear them a lot more in the UK stuff, which I think is really vital. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's forever growing. I think it goes in cycles. I think, I think we're long overdue another, you know, burst of, of an artist breaking through uh, potentially onto a major label or something. And then also bringing a few other artists up to those ranks with them. Um, and I think to achieve that, we need to move forward as a, as essentially like a movement of like, we are UK country. Um, and, and I think it, it's fine to not be classed as UK country, just yeah. call yourselves country. The fact of where you're from shouldn't matter. You know, country is not an American word. It's, you know, it's a, it's a general universal term and our music as UK artists should be played alongside the American artists and be classed as country music. It's as simple as that. That's, that's the goal. Exactly. I mean, you've got bands who are doing country and they're, and they're American and not in just in the UK, but yeah. in Ireland. You've got them from Norway, Denmark, mm. Sweden, Sweden. They're all doing country and American acts. Yeah. And they, they, and they have, you know, their sound is so clean so pure that you can't tell you absolutely yeah. could not tell yeah. that's and, it and they actually speak in those they, they actually speak like that as well because growing up the, the way that they learned english was through american tv oh. so, so that's exactly yeah. how they, they, they learned it and that's how absolutely yeah totally agree totally agree it's the same with like uh german and dutch you know they're massive country fans and lovers in holland and germany for instance and mm. Yeah, it's the same thing, you know, probably grew up watching Friends or something and just <laughs> naturally pick up that accent, you know, it's a simple, simple Definitely. as that. I mean, um, you, you just mentioned German, Germany there. I mean, you've got seeds, seeds to see when, when it was. It had it in Germany as well because yeah. they knew there's a huge potential fan base there. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're absolutely nuts for, it's, you know. Yeah, it, it's it's unlike anything I, I've experienced. I, I didn't play C2C in Germany, but many years ago when I started out in country music, and I'm talking, you know, almost 20 years ago, um, some of my first work was as a session musician for country music, and we played in, in Berlin um, in something called, I think they called it like a music messa or something. It was like essentially a massive country music um exhibition almost similar to c2c yeah. basically in a big convention center loads of artists and they were from everywhere norway everything we you know i played for an artist from norway um and a uk artist and there wasn't much of a scene going on really at the time but the amount of people and the dedication to you know looking the part and you know dressing up to a certain yeah. degree and all the stalls of hats and stuff it's just like any of the festivals we've got here but you know the level that it was on, it was absolutely ginormous. Um, and I can only imagine C2C is similar, to be honest, over there. Definitely. I mean, I remember, um, see, see, for, for me, when I say, well, I remember last year, I actually mean 2019. Oh, we all do that, yeah. <laughs> it's 2020, it's like, 
way in Rockhampton. I'm not sure. Yeah, just just get rid of it. We don't need it anymore. Yeah. No, I mean we saw uh, um, Brett Eldridge was on tour. Great. Yeah. So um, my mate Matt and I we went to see Lauren Jen Jenkins, who is the support act. We right. flew to Frankfurt. We stayed less than twelve hours. Flew in the afternoon. Went to the concert. Flew back in the morning just to Brilliant. see her in Frankfurt. Wow, right? that's commitment. That, that that was at the beginning of 2020. We thought, yes, 2020, our year. Come on, people, uh, our year. We're gonna do this. We're gonna follow them. We're gonna go to this concert. We're gonna this this concert. Uh, I mean, pre previously, I've been going to like concerts maybe three or four time times a week. Yeah. I love live music. There's nothing better than live music. There's nothing better than seeing you. Like seeing seeing you live and perform live because there's a yeah. certain kind of magic that you can't capture. You can't. Oh capture yeah, it. yeah. It's and unlike anything else for sure. Um, and I think, I think that's almost a. I'm, I'm so glad you feel like that because I think sometimes as musicians and and particularly in this day and age where, you know, it's all about Spotify and it's all about TikTok and how many followers you've got and trying to be a you know essentially an internet musician. Yeah. It's all well and good, and some people are just born to do that stuff, but can they recreate that live in a live setting? A, a half of those people who, are, who have, you know, reams of followers, are they, can they do that on the road? Do you yeah. know what I mean? And it's exactly. like, that's, that's the really interesting thing for me, because not everyone can, and I firmly believe that, not everyone can, or they can, but with a lot of practice. But <laughs> at the level they're already at, Yeah you know, with regards to notoriety or whatever, it, it's going to be a massive shock to the system because they're in their comfort zone, which is behind a screen. And, you know, after lots of processing of vocals and tuning stuff, you know, which, hey, look, we all do it when it comes to producing music. Of course we do. But live music is a very different beast. And, you know, not many people post live videos on, on their socials anymore. They've all been doctored slightly and then mine too or whatever again we've all done it but you've got to be able to back it up that's what i firmly believe uh and as you say there's nothing like seeing someone live well it's it's you you see you see the artist for me lives in my mind space it's just there the the, the songs yeah. are just there so i'm living their songs i'm living your songs mm. but it's filtered through my brain then once i see it live then it's just like Okay, I can take the filter out now because here's yeah. the real thing. Yeah, Here, yeah. Tim just you know singing those songs, bell bell doing out those notes, and it's amazing, absolutely amazing. Right. Now that's exactly what we want. You know, that's that's what we need as artists is is to know that that's like reaching the audience almost. Yeah. Um. And I and I don't think it truly connects until it's been seen in person. So, yeah, I totally agree. So, um, who do you feel um, captures your kind of spirit in terms of artists that you think, yeah, that's an artist that I like, that's an artist that I'd like to collaborate, or that's an artist that like, okay, I bow down to and think like, yeah, you, you know, you, you've got your John Primes and everything else mm -hmm. like that. Who's on your list? Do you know what? My, my list changes constantly. Um, and, it, and it could be for a number of reasons, you know, like uh, my, one of my, my true loves is just 
great voices and it's one of the reasons why I was drawn to country music in the first place um in the sort of era that I was growing up it was sort of it became very trendy for people and and this is more uh, you know general about music rather than country is it it seemed more and more common to not sing um you know uh overly rangy songs or everything like melodies became a lot more simplified and single note and you know and it became all about production and less about you know vocal ability i guess yeah um and for me country music kind of kind of didn't do that it wasn't afraid to sort of just go well i've got a really big voice and i can do all of this with it and i'm going to put it into this song and also tell a story you know and for me i was like this is great it reminds me of the singers that i listened to growing up you know like freddie mercury who just sang you know everything yeah uh, that he could and put it and recorded it in that way um rather than going oh that's not very cool because people won't be able to sing along to that bit at home or whatever doesn't matter doesn't matter you know you're an artist so go you know work to your strengths and stuff so i think for me it's people who can do wonderful things with their either their voice or their or their songwriting so like for instance i would love to sing with kelly clarkson you know i, I that's not probably a cool choice you know I, yes yeah. i probably could have said someone like you know i don't know willie nelson or as you know the, the john prine stuff you know undoubtedly undoubtedly a wonderful writer and very highly respected but for me my joy would come from singing some big duet with with kelly clarkson or something it would just be you know i can just imagine you technically at the rhyme and belting out a song yeah, that would be wonderful i, I would i would be definitely <laughs> up for that you know i'd love to and then i'd love to like play drums for um like lady a for instance yeah. or something just because i think they're just for me like a really complete band i think their songs are incredible i think they're they can back it up live i think their voices are wonderful individually let alone as a as a as a unit you know and um so that's how i think about stuff as like you know and there are bands that i'd love to play guitar for and i'd love to do you know stuff for for different people but you know doing something with chris stapleton would be a dream um we were lucky enough to share a stage with him at the Ryman. Uh, we played the same show as him at the Ryman uh, a number of years ago, which was, you know, one of those bucket list moments that that will probably never happen again. I mean, you never know. You never know. But that was that was an ultimate dream, you know. And there's there's loads of people like that that are just like, I just and it sounds selfish when you go, well, there's someone I love, so obviously my 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 thought process then is I need to do something with that person. Whereas actually, I'm just a fan like everyone else. So actually, I'd just like to go and see them play or, yeah. you know, experience them do something wonderful and not be selfish and just enjoy it. Just not panic about having to sing with someone <laughs> like <laughs> I love and just go, I'm just going to listen to this because this is unbelievable. So, you know, it, it, it works both ways, I think. I can only just imagine the situation where Tim is fanboying at like Kelly uh, Clarkson. I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like like uh, you know fly on a wall there. Then. Yeah, I'll be freaking <laughs> out somewhere. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
what's next then? And I know that you said that you've got a couple of festivals, but is is there is there an EP in the works? Is there another EP in the works? Is there another what well, I can honestly say awards. Yeah, I can honestly say at this stage that there, you know, I'm I'm I've got a massive amount of songs, which is which I'm really proud of. You know, it, I've I've been very very busy, uh, all intentionally because I want to have this catalogue of songs that I can either play live at festivals and shows, or I can put out. Um, but I do think, um, and I did some online, you know, sort of research and questionnaires of the people to see basically what you know what did people want from music because I I almost think lockdown because everyone was working so hard and continuing to put songs out it felt like there was something every week that people were putting out and oh yeah you almost didn't know where to look because there was it, it just felt a little bit oversaturated only a little bit and I don't again I don't mean country I just mean in general there was so much to take in it was like sensory overload and I just wonder whether people want to be given something that they can spend time with to go, oh my God, this album is incredible. Like I've only just discovered track nine. Yeah. I can really listen to it properly. And that could be three months after it's been released. Whereas I think this whole single culture that we're in at the moment is very much like, you know, you build up to release day on a Friday and by the following Tuesday, nobody's talking about it, you know? And it's just like, that's, it's quite depressing. It really is because of how much time and effort goes into releasing a single to, for it to literally be forgotten over a weekend because you've been posting every day about it, like pre-save this, pre-save this. Um, and then it just feels like you just hit this wall on the Friday and then nothing happens, you know. Um, that's what it feels like. You know, there's, stuff's always ticking. Of course it yeah. is. And you never know whether it's going to be picked up for playlists or radio or whatever. And that, that stuff then just becomes like a lovely bonus. Um, but I, I do wonder whether the beauty of what I've been working on is, is in it being an album. Um, I would love to do an album. I, you know, I, I have, I have quite a sort of, I don't know if it's entrepreneurial, but I have that sort of mindset of mm. planning ahead and, and really knowing what the end goal is and I kind of know what the end goal is um in my mind it's just working out the best route to get there um yeah. and as I said earlier it's very much a movement that needs to happen for the for the scene in general um so I'm kind of not just thinking about myself it, it feels like you know I know there are terrific artists doing what I'm doing you know musically you know quite different probably but but actually, I think we all identify as being a particular type of music or what have you. And I think if we can all put out really strong music um, and actually make people sit up and notice, I think it can have a real impact. So my intention is to be, I hope, at the forefront of that, of the next movement, whatever that may be. Um, and I think having a body of songs like an album is the perfect way to do that. I think that is a you know, a very considered approach. I think it's a very thought out approach. I think you definitely need that groundswell of movement here in mm. the UK. Country doesn't have to be a dirty word in the UK and UK country doesn't have to be a dirty word. Yeah. We totally. can hold our heads up high because the music yeah. that we've produced is sensational. We've got yeah. 
fantastic acts, you know, amazing voices, you know. Um, and I think it's whether it's a combination of being British in terms yeah. of like that, oh, but do we really want to say that we're really, you know, country or do we want to yeah. really be polite? Or it's like, yeah. yes, for God's sake, break it out of your shells. Absolutely. Come on. You yeah. can, you know, it, you can't live, leave it up to just the Rolling Stones and the Beatles to crack yeah. the USA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like <laughs> nearly 50 to 60 years ago. I know, I know. There needs to be a change for sure. It really does. And I, you know, there's no better time than now, I think, because I think so many rule books have been, you know, ripped up and thrown out the yeah. window now just because of the last two years or whatever. You know, I think now is a really great time for a change. Definitely. And, and I, I think, you know, obviously with the changing landscape of pan pandemic and the countries you can and can't go, mm. um, you know, touring has completely changed, obviously because of Brexit as well, because yeah, you know, that, that's a big elephant in the room that no, no yeah. one seems, seems to be talking about. No, I, 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 they've, I they've almost got away with it, I think, yeah, because, exactly. because of the pandemic. Yeah. It's, it's the, the Brexit thing has been swept under the carpet a bit. But I, I think, again, that'll come back to, to have a, a, you know, it will bite them. It has to. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think you're looking at now a lost generation of musicians because they're not going to be able to tour. They're not going to be able yeah. to, you, you know, who as an independent artist can, can afford all the visas and the paperwork if you want to go to France, Spain, yeah. Germany and everything else? You know what? Most artists I know can't afford to tour the UK, let alone Europe. You yeah. know, it, it's a very, very expensive business that you don't. And it is a business. The sad <laughs> state is it is a business and it's going to take a number of tours until you sort of start to see any reward for it. And, you know, the people in charge will always go, yeah, there's no money in streaming anymore. There's no money in actually selling your music. So that's why you need to get out and tour. You know, and I'm like, there's no money in touring. Do you know how many people you have to pay to go on tour? <laughs> you know, and yeah, like solo gigs are, are wonderful. They really are. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I'm actually really enjoying them far more than I ever thought I would, actually, because my, my background has always been in bands and what have you. But I'm really enjoying solo shows. But I want people to experience my music in the way that it was intended. And that was with, you know, particular instruments and particular production techniques and, yeah. and you know, that will only happen with full band and to take a full band on the road and the team of people that go along with it yeah. is very expensive. And the truth of the matter is, is that people don't want to pay money for original music a lot of the time. So that's, that's the dilemma. Um, and that's not even considering taking your show abroad. You know, yeah. it's, um, it's a very sad state of affairs. And again, there needs to be change, you know, in streaming laws, uh, you know, and the way artists are paid. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what can be done with regards to touring costs. I mean, I think that's just the way it is. But with regards to obviously Brexit and playing abroad, there's obviously a lot of room there for, for manoeuvre and, and for them, for the people in charge to actually, you know, make positive changes so it doesn't affect us as as artists 
I, I feel that, that um, particularly those in power now have decided that all, only the elite can get, get to experience the best yeah. of music. All, 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 only those can get, get to listen to the arts where yeah. music should not be limited to no. your status or your position in society. Yeah. Music is free and should always right. remain free in terms of expressing yourself on a human level, level will be between mm -hmm. you and some, someone else. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and you're right, I think they look at those people who are succeeding, like massively succeeding, um, and go, well, look, they're making a good living out of it. You know, they'll look at Spotify figures and numbers and streaming royalties for Ed Sheeran and go, what, what are you all complaining about? Look how much he's making. Yeah. It's like, look at how many streams he's getting, <laughs> you know. <laughs> 99% of us don't get those numbers yeah. uh, and don't see those rewards for it, you know. Um, and I think that the laws, and, and they are laws, need to change to actually Definitely. reward the, everyone else as well. Um, you know, and I, anyone who's got that sort of success is wonderful and, and mostly well-earned, but there's a lot of people doing very wonderful things in music that, that need to see some sort of reward. Otherwise, we're going to see a lot of people leaving the industry which I think is, I've, I've already seen it. Like I have seen it already. Yeah. And it's, um, it's very sad. You know, it's very sad. It's very, very sad because, because, you know, you know, that's all, that's the way that human beings have, you know, communi communicated over mm -hmm. time. And yeah. not only just like in the present day, but through generations of time, because you can put on the vinyl record and listen to classical music, or you can put on a vinyl record and listen to Hank Williams, and you're yep. right there, because his yep. voice is reaching out to you, but you wouldn't have been able to do that if the artist wasn't able to record it and put the music out. Of course, of course. Um, and there's almost just like a, it's almost like a lack of education and awareness of, you know, what it is like to be a musician to a certain degree, because I think a lot of people see it as a nice to have, a, a hobby, a this, that, and the other. It's a highly skilled thing, like it is, that everyone enjoys. Yeah. You know, and I mean, everyone being the listener enjoys. Um, and I don't know why that is then seen as being a hobby or a, you know, like a, that shouldn't be rewarded in some way just because they enjoy it. And because it's, as you say, music is free, really. Um, we're all free to make it. It just so happens that some people are very, very good at it. And, you know, but if they're not seeing any rewards, that's just not going to happen, you know. No, exactly. Uh, yeah. And um, I feel that you, you hit the nail on the head there. Like, music makes us happy. And boy, oh boy, did we need that. Yeah. When, when we've all been locked in our little, little little shells and you can't go out and you can only go through to the park. Music was the one lifeline that kept us all alive. Yeah. And yeah. it's musicians like yourself, you know, you, you, you know, you, you've, you've been given a gift. That's the way that I, as I say, you've yeah. been given a gift. Your voice is a gift. Your, your talent is a gift. And to be able to share that with, with someone else, that's not what, you know, 99% of the general, general population can do, but they'll yeah. they take it for granted because it's so easy and accessible. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I do. I think 
you know, a lot of people choose music, but I also think music chooses people sometimes. And I think, you know, I, to a certain degree, I, I don't think everyone can do music, no. you know, they probably can to a certain degree. Um, but there, there's got to be an element of a gift somewhere. I really do. I really do think that. I think, you know, otherwise everyone would do it. You know, that's <laughs> what I think. I really think everyone would do it otherwise. Um, and yes, some people have to work a heck of a lot harder to, you know, reach certain goals and, and achieve certain things and sing a certain way. Um, and some people are, you know, very much just very, very gifted at it. Um, I feel like I've worked very hard to do what I do. Um, I've also been very stubborn, <laughs> uh, you know, because I could have given up many, many times. Yeah. Um, and, but it, it's, it, it, you know, when you, when you think about not doing it anymore, you, you know that that's just not an option, you know, no. that there's no option. Um, and I don't know what that is. I don't, I don't know what that's classed as, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, without getting too sort of uh, deep with it. Um, yeah, I, you do feel like it's kind of chosen you to a certain degree, which is, um, you know, really interesting way of thinking about it. Well, I am so glad that the universe has chosen you, Tim. <laughs> you've chosen to be on the Cloudwatcher Uno podcast. It's absolutely. absolutely amazing to speak to you and get to hear your stories. Thank you so, so much. My absolute pleasure, my man. And uh, I look forward to seeing you at more shows. Cheers. Take care.